Turn with me this morning to Luke 15. Uh, last uh, week I began a series of sermons, a uh, kind of a summertime series on the parables of Jesus. And we began last week by looking at the parable of the sower. And encourages me, I mean, like this morning someone asked me about the previous sermon they missed. And uh, those sermons are on the website. So if you would, you know, I tell people, I just can't imagine anybody wanting to listen to a repeat of one of my sermons. I certainly don't want to listen to them. But if you want to uh, listen to a sermon you missed, they're on the website. Matt will make sure it's posted in the morning, right, won't you, Matt? And uh, you can uh, listen to them there. Luke 15 this morning. Last week it was the parable of the sower. And this week it's the parable of the prodigal son. I'm going to begin at verse 11. And this is God's word. And he said, that as Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And so he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And so he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and has been has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because they received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, For so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost 
and has been found. That is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your eternal truth given to us in many different facets and forms. We thank you for these parables that Jesus told. And we thank you for this one. We pray that this morning you give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it and hearts that are open to receive its truth. We pray that you would receive all the glory as a result of it. That Christ will be praised as our lives reflect his grace toward us. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, the parable of the prodigal son might be uh, the most familiar of the parables Jesus told. You know, many of the parables are familiar, but this parable probably surpasses all the others in its familiarity. It is a great story, isn't it? A great story. But as with all the parables, you have to look beyond the earthly story to find the heavenly meaning that Christ placed in it. And there is deep spiritual significance to this rich story. You know, in his own words, Jesus' ministry was that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And saving the lost involved for Jesus spending time with what we would call some undesirables. For Jesus, that involved spending time with tax gatherers, tax collectors, and noted scoundrels. We see that in situation described in verse 1, where it tells us that all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to him, that is, coming near to Jesus, to listen to him. Now, that infuriated the Pharisees and the scribes. They couldn't understand that if Jesus really was who he claimed to be, if he really was from God, how it was that he would be spending time with people like that, with tax collectors, and other sinners. We see in verse 2 that they were grumbling about it. Both the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It's in response to that grumbling of the Pharisees and the scribes about Jesus spending time with these notorious sinners that he told the three parables we find in Luke 15. They're all about something that was lost and then was found. A lost sheep that was found by its shepherd. A lost coin that was found by its owner. A lost son that returned to his father. It's clear that those three lost items each refer to a lost soul. Jesus is talking about sinners here. Sinners who are lost and then were found. Someone who wandered from the fold, the shepherd went out and found him and brought him back. Someone who has dropped from sight, but he's been ministered to and brought back into the kingdom. A son who wandered from home and whose father constantly looked, anticipating his return back to where he belonged. And every time that happened, when the lost sheep was found by the shepherd, when the lost coin was found by its owner, when the lost son returned home. There was this great time of celebration. There are three celebrations in Luke 15. And each of them occurs when what was lost 
was found. And that really is the theme, the underlying theme of this great parable of the prodigal son, that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That his ministry is to beckon those who are estranged from him to come to him. And now there is such great celebration in heaven over one sinner who repents. These three parables really go together. They are a kind of trilogy. I've decided to skip down to verse 11. We'll probably deal with the others two later. But to deal with the parable of the prodigal son this morning, and I did so because it is Father's Day. Father plays a key role in this story of the prodigal son. Now there's so much here that I was tempted to break it down into three sermons. One on the prodigal son, one on the father, one on the older brother. Uh, When I get home this morning, or later today, my wife will probably tell me that would have made three sermons. It would. But I'm going to try to break this down into six parts for you this morning and look at this whole passage together. First, there is in this text a time of rebellion. A time of rebellion. His father in the story had two sons. The older son was dutiful and obedient, faithfully tending to his business, carrying out all the responsibilities that his father gave him. The younger son, however, apparently chafed, chafed under his father's rules and regulations. He was probably in his late teens. Apparently he found life at home to be unpleasant and confining. He didn't enjoy the obligations and the requirements that were placed upon him by his father. And so he wanted to get away. He wanted to leave home. And he wanted to be free to do as he pleased. That younger son, of course, represents a lost sinner who does all he can to get away from God and from God's law and from God's moral obligations. This younger son, as we'll see, pictures the tax collectors and the sinners, the other sinners that Jesus was spending time with, those who received the scorn of the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, sinners have tried to run from God ever since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, after their first sin, tried to hide from God. That's what this son is doing, trying to hide, get away from his father and the moral obligations, requirements that his father has laid upon him. But of course, trying to run from God is a futile exercise because no matter where you go, no matter how far you run, no matter what you do, God is always there. You can run from the people of God. You can run from the Word of God. You can run from the church. You can run from your responsibilities. You can run from your obligations. You can run from your commitments. But you can't run from God. No matter where you go, God is always there. And He is always seeking that one sheep, that one lost sheep that wandered from the fold, that one lost coin that fell to the ground, and that one lost son who's wandered from home. Well, that's what this son wanted to do. He wanted to leave home, wanted to be free, to do what he wanted when he wanted it. He wanted to have his share of the inheritance, and so he came to his father and asked for it. 
In that day, the younger son probably would have received about a third of his father's wealth. And so he came to his father and asked his father for his portion of the inheritance. And he said to his father uh, in verse 12, uh, give me my share of the estate that falls to me. And we're told in verse 12, so he divided his wealth between them. It appears the younger son's portion came in cash and goods, not in lands and houses. So not long after that, he left home. He went, as the Bible says, to a distant country, indicating he was trying to get away, as far away from his father as he possibly could. And I'm sure that he felt some sense of excitement, don't you? He was free. He was out from under the tutelage of his father, out from under those uh, obligations and requirements that he faced every day. Now he could do what he wanted when he wanted. He could buy what he desired when he desired to buy it. He could go where his heart led him whenever the impulse hit him. But it's clear in the text the young man Jesus talks about here in this parable didn't have much sense about money. We're told in verse 13 that he squandered his estate with loose living. That is, he spent his money quickly, he spent it recklessly, he spent it carelessly on whatever he desired. And soon, the money was all gone. He squandered it. That means he didn't have anything left to show for it. Oh, I'm sure he had a good time spending it, don't you? I'm sure it was fun. Fun for a while. Have all this freedom and have all this money and to do what he wanted when he wanted to do it. But it was all a futile attempt to find meaning and purpose in things that will not satisfy. He was in a state of complete rebellion against everything his father had taught him. And he had squandered everything his father had given him. He was in a time of rebellion. There's also, however, in this text, a time of ruin. This young man's freedom eventually led to slavery. He was caught up in the error of his ways and his life was on a completely downward spiral. And the young man began to reap what he sowed. You know, that's what the Bible says, isn't it? We reap what we sow. And that's what this young man experienced. He was living for the moment. He had no concern for the future. And because he didn't prepare for the future because he spent his money so quickly when hard times came, he had nothing to fall back on. Because Jesus says in the parable, about the same time he spent all his money, a famine hit the land. And he went around trying to find work. He couldn't find work. Isn't it interesting? The one who wanted to be free from his obligations and responsibilities under his father was forced because of economic disaster to look for work. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. Man hired him to go out into the pig pen and feed his swine. Now, for a young Jewish boy, that was just about as bad as it gets. Pigs run clean. You know, here was this young boy, this young man, destitute, no other options hired on as a hired hand to tend to the pigs 
that belonged to someone else. It got worse than that. Here he was feeding the pigs. He had nothing to feed himself. The text says it even got to the place where he was longing to eat the food he was giving to the pigs. Reading from the lines, I would imagine that's what he did to survive. Not only was he taking care of the pigs, but he was living like the pigs. You see, this boy had experienced complete ruin. He was at rock bottom. And it could not get any worse for him. Here he was, living in the pigsty, living like a pig would. But you see, that's what sin does. Sin leads to complete self-destruction. Leaving the Father's house does not lead to freedom. It leads to slavery. If you don't learn anything else this morning, learn that trying to set yourself free from God's standards, from God's obligations, from God's requirements. There's no freedom in that. That's slavery in that because you become enslaved to yourself, to your own lusts, to your own passions, to your own desires. And the end is complete destruction. And that's what this young boy experienced. The Bible says... The wages of sin is death. And that's where this young man was headed. Then third in this text, there is a a time of realization. Verse 17 begins with what I think is one of the greatest words in all the Bible. I told you before, it's one of the greatest theological words there is. It's the word but. It's the word but. You know, so many times in the Bible, when the word but is used, God is about to teach a tremendous spiritual truth. And here we find the same thing. The man had run so far from home, but. He had rejected his father's authority, but. He had squandered all of his father's wealth that had been given to him, but. He was living in the pig slop. But, and the but is, he came to his senses. Verse 17 says, but when he came to his senses. And that reflects the conversion of a lost sinner. He began to realize how bad it was. He wanted to make it better. He began to realize how bad he was. And he wanted to be different. He realized how far he had gone from home. But he wanted to return to his father's house. He realized, don't you realize, he realized that life in his father's house was not so bad after all. And he wanted to return there. He hadn't shown much sense before, but now we're told he came to his senses. That really is the beginning of conversion, isn't it? It's coming to an awareness of your situation and of your need. Coming to an awareness of how far you have fallen in your sin. And so the young man came to his senses. And in doing so, he made a realization. He realized that, you know, my father's hired servants have it better than I do. Those who are 
as slaves in my father's house have more to eat than I do. Those who are under obligation, legal obligation to my father because they work for him as slaves have more freedom than I do. And so he wanted out of his situation and he wanted to go home. And so he made his plans in verses 18 and 19. I will get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. That's what happens to a wayward sinner. He wants to be free from God. He wants to be out from under God's law and God's obligations. He wants to be away from the fellowship of God's people. He wants to be on his own, to live as he pleases. But eventually, eventually he realizes life apart from God does not work. And then he realizes something needs to change. But thinking it and realizing it aren't enough. You've got to act on what you think and what you realize. And that's what we see the son doing next because forth there is a time of repentance here. You see, it's not enough just to realize your desperate situation, to realize how bad it is. But you have to take some concerted efforts to, to get out of where you are, to return, to go back home, to go back where you belong, to make amends, to make a concerted effort to change. You have to change course, change direction, do something different. And that's what the young man did in verse 20, where it simply says, so he got up and came to his father. That's all it says. So simple and yet so profound. He had resolved what he would do, and then he did it. He got up, left where he was, left the pigsty, and went back to his father. He was filled with remorse and filled with sorrow. He was broken and he was destitute. He was empty. He was needy. So he went home. The young man went home. He came back to his father. He knew what he wanted to say. He knew what he needed to say when he saw his father. But he knew that his confession and apology weren't enough. He had to show it by his actions. He had to get up. He had to leave where he was. He had to do something different. And go back. And he did. Fifth, there is in this text a time of reception. A time of glorious and wonderful reception. What we see in verses 20 through 24 is the way the father received his wayward son. And it describes for us in picture form the way in which God, our Heavenly Father, receives His wayward children who come home. It's clear that even though the Son had been out of sight, He was not nearly at all out of His Father's mind. The Father eagerly, eagerly desired for His wayward Son to return. Now the implication in the text as you read it is, it almost appears that every day, Every day the father went down to look down the road to see if he could see his son coming home. 
Now, whether or not that exactly happened is not clear. But what is clear is the father saw his son before the son saw him. Look at what verse 20 says. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm not sure there are any more beautiful words in all the Bible than those words right there. The father saw him and the father felt compassion for him. Now remember who this was. This was the son who had rebelled against his father. This is the son who went to his father and said, Give me what is mine. This is the son who had left his father's house, rejected his father's authority. This is the son who had squandered everything his father had given to him. And I'm sure that when the son returned home, he looked far different from when he had left. He was emaciated and hungry. He was dirty and smelly. He was barefoot and threadbare. He was downcast and dejected. He was embarrassed and humiliated. But as his father looked down the road and he saw that son, the Bible says he felt compassion for him. Not anger, not bitterness, not resentment, not hatred. His father looked and he saw him and he felt compassion for him. Do not pass over that word compassion too quickly. It's a frequently word used in the New Testament to talk about the way that Jesus dealt with people. So many times in the Gospels when it says that Jesus came across someone in need, whether it was a blind person, a crippled person, a leprous person, we're told that Jesus was moved with compassion for them. And here we're told that this Father, who represents our Heavenly Father, looked down the road and saw this wayward son coming home and he felt compassion for him. Our God is a compassionate God. He is moved with compassion toward those who seek Him in repentance. And the Bible says those who come to Him, He will in no wise reject or cast out. And so moved with compassion. This this Father throws off all sense of decorum, all sense of dignity, and He begins to run to His his Son. Now you've got to remember those days, they didn't wear pants like we wear today. Have on running shorts. He had on a robe. He had to gather up his robe in his hand. He had to run through the town to see his son who was coming back home to him. And when he got to his son, he threw his arms around him. He threw his arms around his dirty body. And he kissed his smelly face. Because this was his son now returning home. And he received him back into his fellowship. The son proceeded to confess. His confession is found in verse 21. He said to him, Father, I have sinned. Sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called 
your son. Father, I have sinned. Know that the young man owned it. He didn't try to make excuses. He didn't try to blame his daddy. He didn't try to say you were too hard on me. You expected too much of me. He didn't blame it on his older brother. He blamed it on himself. He said, Father, I have sinned. It's me. I've done it. And like David in the Old Testament, he realized his sin, first of all, was not against his father. His sin was against God. Remember when David prayed in Psalm 51, he said, Against you, you only, I've sinned. But David has sinned against lots of people. And here this young man says, I have sinned against heaven first. And I've sinned in your sight. He wanted to say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The young man had planned to tell him, make me as one of your hired hands. Remember, that's what he planned to say. He didn't get that far. He didn't get that far because his father interrupted him. And he said to his servants, quickly, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring some sandals. Put them on his feet. And go kill the fattened calf. And let's have a party. Let's make merry. We have to celebrate for this son of mine who was lost has been found. This son who was as good as dead has come back to life again. And so the party began. And he began to celebrate. And the father, no doubt, was extravagant, wasn't he? In his celebration of his son's return home. Normally when we think of the prodigal son, we think he's called the prodigal because he wandered away from home. The word prodigal actually means recklessly extravagant, lavish, characterized by wasteful expenditure. He was the prodigal son because he threw away, lavishly spent all that his father had given to him. In that context, we could call it also, couldn't we, the parable of the prodigal father. Because the father lavishly poured out his blessings upon this wayward son, welcoming him back with the best robe, fine sandals, and the killing of the fatty calf. What does the Bible say? There is joy in heaven. Joy in heaven when a sinner repents. Joy in heaven when the dead come to life, when the blind can see. We sang Amazing Grace earlier, remember? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Young man was a wretch, wasn't he? He was a wretch. Let's be honest. We're all wretches apart from the grace of God. Because I once was lost, but now I was blind, but now I see. And when it happens, heaven rejoices. There is celebration in heaven over one sinner who repents. May God give us as a congregation that joy of seeing sinners come to faith, of wayward People coming home of the blind being able to see the dead living. And God give us the grace to celebrate those great occasions. Then sixth and finally, we do see here some resentment. Not everyone was celebrating. 
Not everyone shared the father's joy in the return of this wayward son. There was, of course, the older brother, the faithful, diligent son who always did what his father told him. And even now, where was he? Out in the field, tending the flock, doing what his father told him to do. And while he was out there, he heard the laughter. He heard the music. He knew something was happening. And so he called one of the servants and said, What's going on at home? And he said, Well, your father's throwing a party. And he's throwing a party because your younger brother has come home. And the older brother was angry. He was angry. Refused to go in and join the celebration. And so his father must have heard that he was outside pouting and angry. And so his father came out, the Bible says, Jesus says, to plead with him to come in. But the son still refused because he was full of resentment and full of bitterness. Not just toward toward the younger brother, but toward his father. And he said essentially to his father, look, I've done everything you have asked me to do. I have obeyed you to the hilt. And yet you have never even killed a goat for me so I could have a party with my friends. But now this son of yours who ran away from home, who squandered all your wealth on loose living, has come back home. And look what you're doing. You've thrown a big party. Killed the fatted calf. And the father looked at him and said, Son, you have been with me always. But we had to celebrate because this son who was lost has been found. The one who is dead has come to life. That older brother represents the scribes and the Pharisees. Those who were begrudging of Jesus. Grumbling about Jesus because he spent time with the tax collectors and other sinners and scoundrels like them. Because Jesus was living out his mission to seek and to save that which was lost. And they found no joy whatsoever in people being lost. Who were lost being found. In today's world, the older brother represents the dutiful church member. The one who comes out of duty and not really out of delight. The one who comes because he really thinks he has to. He really doesn't want to. The one who thinks his standing with God is based purely upon merit and what he is obligated to give him because of what he's done and not because of grace. And people like that find no joy when new people come walking in the door. Especially when they may not look quite like us. 
or be from the same background we're from. Sometimes they're resentful of attention showed to new people. People who've been brought because of the gospel. And they become bitter or resentful. God help us to celebrate. To celebrate the lost being found, the blind being able to see, the wayward sons coming home. Now in conclusion, it may be this morning that you are one of the wayward sons. It may be that you have wandered away from your father's guidance, your heavenly father's authority. It may not be physical. It might be spiritual and emotional. Rejecting what God has given to you in terms of your father submitting yourself to his authority and the authority of God's word. That's where you are today. I call you to come home, to return to your rightful place in the Father's house, in the house of your heavenly Father, in the house of your earthly Father. Because I guarantee you, they both love you. It may be that you are an older brother today. It may be that you just don't understand grace. That for you, your spiritual life is all about merit. What you've done in the past, what you're able to do today, what you might do in the future. You think that everything that you have is because you've somehow deserved it and God has given it to you because of what you've done. I call you today to understand that you too were like the wayward son. And you were only in God's family because he has reached out and brought you to himself. Share in the joy, not just in your salvation, but in the salvation of others. It may be today that you're the father. It may be that you have a child, a grandchild, who's wandered from your authority, wandered from the faith. Not sure where that child is with the Lord. You may know that child is living in open disobedience and defiance of God and His Word. I call on you to continue to pray for that child, to love that child. Keep looking for that child to come home. Don't give up on that child because God did not give up on you. And just as in the parable of the prodigal son, the father looked down the road and he saw that son before the son saw him and he was moved with compassion and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. We have a wayward son or daughter and they make movement back toward you. Don't push them away. But you embrace them. As God has embraced you. We sang this morning how deep the Father's love for us. If there's anything this parable teaches us, it's how deep that love is. Be thankful for that today. On Father's Day, let's pray.